Looking forward to hearing you and Ronell sing a duet sometimes. Father and son. Maybe grandson playing the piano while you sing. That would be fantabulous. I want to offer a special thank you from the pastor to Sister Wendy and the crew last Sunday who did such a marvelous job on cleaning the carpet. It was, uh, it was fun to watch the energy that was being expressed as we beautified the house of the Lord. We're continuing our series on behavior in the house of God, and our focus today is how worship involves our prayers. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, how wonderful it is to be able to communicate with you through the means of prayer. And realizing the importance of what we're about to look at from your word today, in the setting of behavior in the house of God, I'm offering myself as a vessel, a fresh and anew into your hands at this very moment. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear son. Please anoint with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. So that your purpose, your design purpose might be accomplished for each of us as individuals, as families, and as a church collective. Because as I pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. We return to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest, underscore, to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. One of the greatest privileges enjoyed by Christians is the privilege of prayer because through prayer you and I make an approach to God. Those of you who have attended on Wednesday evening know how important and special prayer is to me. I have spent the first six months of being your pastor teaching on the subject of prayer. We have looked at 21 lessons so far, and we have not yet finished. I believe in prayer. The advantages and benefits of prayer are vast. And I want to share just a few that have become very precious to me over the years and have been precious to others. Through prayer, we can experience forgiveness to cover all of our sins. First John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anybody here besides me like to say praise the Lord for this? Secondly, through prayer, we can find peace to replace anxiety. 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful of nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Is anybody else here besides me like to say amen to that about now? Next, through prayer, we can receive strength to replace our weakness. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Anybody else here besides me just like to say thank you, Heavenly Father, for this? Next, through prayer, we can affirm and we can solidify relationships with other members of the Christian church. I want you to look at three ways that we can do this. This principle can be of tremendous benefit as pastors pray for parishioners. Romans chapter 1 and verse 9. For God is my witness, of whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, notice this, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Can you imagine the kind of churches we would have, the kind of fellowships we would enjoy, if every pastor prayed for parishioners like Paul prayed for parishioners. This principle can be a tremendous value as parishioners pray for other parishioners. Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Epaphras, and notice this, who is one of you, a servant of Christ saluteth you, and underscore, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. And as if someone were about to ask, well, why did he pray for fellow church members, parishioners? The response comes forth that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, for I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you. Can you imagine what kind of churches we would have if parishioners prayed for parishioners like Epaphras prayed for fellow parishioners? Next, this principle can be of tremendous benefit as parishioners pray for pastors. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 18 praying always with all prayer for all saints. And notice this, and for me. And as if someone were about to ask, well, Pastor Paul, why do you want us to pray for you? You are the anointed apostle to the Gentiles. You had a personal encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Look at the response of Pastor Paul. And pray for me 
that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Can you imagine what kind of churches we would have if parishioners prayed for pastors like this? Oh, my friends, the advantages and the benefits of prayer are vast and include so many more than what I have just elaborated on. In focusing on our theme for the series, Behavior in the House of God, we're going to spend the remainder of our study concentrating on the thought of prayer and public worship. Now remember, we're looking at behavior in the house of God. I'm convicted in my intellect and I'm convinced in my emotions that public prayer is an important aspect of worship in the house of God. And it must be understood that there are ways to make public prayer more acceptable to God. There are ways to make public prayer more beneficial to us as members, inhabitants of the house of God. There are ways to make public prayer more influential in our witness to others. Paul wrote about some very disturbing things that were taking place in the church at Corinth. And while it was true that the church at Corinth was, as Paul said, zealous of spiritual gifts, they needed to be enlightened. They need to be instructed to the truth that what they did and how they did it was very important. May I repeat that? They needed to be enlightened. They needed to be instructed that what they did and how they did it was very important. It was vital. And so therefore, Paul gave this counsel in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in verse 12. And I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart, God's saying the same thing to we as university Parkway 70 Adventist Christian Church today. Look at it. Seek that you may excel to the edifying or building up of the church. So what was Paul saying? Pastor Paul was basically stating that there were better ways. Now follow me closely. There were better ways they could do some things and these better ways would serve to edify, build up God's church. Will you understand me if I make the observation that it's possible, am I smiling? Can you see my teeth? I love you. But my brothers and sisters, it is possible to do a right thing in a wrong way. Don't raise your hands, but is there anyone else here besides me that's ever been guilty of doing a right thing in a wrong way? 
When I was in seminary, I, sent, I spent two summers staying on the campus. I was working for the American Red Cross. And uh, I also did some yard work there at the seminary. One day I was kneeling at one of the flower beds, pulling out some weeds and doing some tending to the flowers. And the sister of the president of the seminary came to me. Her name was Aunt Nina. And she asked, Brother Gerard, what are you doing? And I said, Aunt Nina, I'm cleaning out the flower bed. And she said, young man, as she placed her hand on my shoulder, there is a better way to do this. And I looked up at her, and I smiled real big, as I have a tendency to do. And I said, well, Aunt Niner, I guess I just have to learn things the hard way. And she placed the other hand on my other shoulder, and she started to shake me. And she said, young man, get that out of your mind and heart right now. Because if you start out as a young man learning things the hard way, you'll go through your whole life learning things the hard way. She said, let me show you a better way. And I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> One of the issues that Pastor Paul addressed with the church at Corinth concerned prayer prayer in the public setting, and he addressed this issue by using himself as an example, as a role model. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding, my mind also. So Paul's going to use himself as an example of how we are to do a right thing in a right way, not a wrong way. There is a reoccurring theme in the Bible concerning God's house and how the desire of Heavenly Father is that His house be an house of prayer. Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 7. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain, God says, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. I think I'm going to preach a sermon on that one day, being joyful in the house of prayer. He continued, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called what? An house of prayer for all people. Three times, Jesus followed this theme. Matthew 21 and verse 13. And Jesus said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer. Mark 11, verse 17. And Jesus taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. And then in Luke chapter 19 and verse 46, saying unto them, it is written, my house is the house of prayer. Now follow me very closely. Just as was the case with the church at Corinth, 
When there is a failure in our generation and our local churches to adhere to the theme of the house of God being an house of prayer, the outcome is misbehavior. Sincere prayer is very important in public worship. And there are some principles that if followed will enable us to better excel to the edifying or building up of God's church. And very briefly, I want to deal with five principles. Number one, when we pray in the house of God, we should sense that God is present in this place. My brothers and sisters, do you understand God is here in this place right now? You see, there should be both an emotional aspect to our public prayers and an intellectual knowledge that we are approaching God's throne of grace. And when you and I pray in the house of God, we should sense with mind and with heart God's presence. Why? Because when there is a realization of God's presence, not only will Christians be benefited, but also those who yet may not be a part of God's family will also be deeply impressed when we have a sense of God's presence, both the time and the place of prayer become sacred in our emotions and in our intellects. And may our attitude never be that of Jacob. Let me refresh your memory. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 16. Listen to what Jacob said. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I hope none of us ever have that attitude that we do not recognize the presence of God in this place, but it's possible. But rather, may you and I come to an ever-increasing awareness as is recorded in Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 14, that just as the glory of the Lord filled the house of God back then in former days, even so the presence of God can fill the house of God today, even at University Parkway, 70 Adventist Christian Church. I read two selections from one of my favorite writers. First of all, from Selected Messages, Book 2, page 315. There should be an intelligent knowledge of how to come to God in reverence and godly fear with devotional love. Prophets and Kings, pages 48 and 49. True reverence for God is inspired by a sense of his infinite greatness and a realization of his presence. 
with this sense of the unknown, every heart should be deeply impressed. The hour and place of prayer are sacred. Why? Because God is there. Another principle is that when we pray in the house of God, we should use simple language. Heartfelt prayers offered in simplicity can not only state our needs, but they can also be understood and appreciated by others who are listening. Besides, who are we trying to impress? Are we trying to impress God? You see, our voices, when we pray, should express adoration to our Heavenly Father so that everyone in assembly in the house of God may know that we are worshiping God in simplicity. We are worshiping God in truth. We are worshiping God in the beauty of holiness. Matthew chapter 5, listen to our Lord and Savior, verses 5, 7, and 8. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. Again, I read from one of my favorite writers, Gospel Workers, page 177. Listen. High-flown language is inappropriate in prayer. May I repeat that? High-flown language is inappropriate in prayer whether the petition be offered in the pulpit, in the family circle, or in secret. Especially should the one offering public prayer use simple language that others may understand what is said and unite with the petition it is the heartfelt prayer of faith that is heard in heaven and answered on earth. With simplicity, we should state our needs to the Lord and claim His promise with such faith that those in the congregation will know that we have learned to prevail with God in prayer. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, God wants us to excel. There can be better ways of doing things. Another principle when we pray in the house of God is that we should expect and believe that God not only hears us, but God is also able to answer our prayers. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Aren't you glad for that? God hears us 
And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. I read from Steps to Christ, page 96. When our prayers seem not to be answered, we are to cling to the promise. For the time of answering will surely come, and we shall receive the blessings we need most. And I love this next statement. God is too wise and too good to withhold any good thing from them that walk uprightly. Then do not fear to trust him, even though you do not see the immediate answer to your prayers. Another principle. When we pray in the house of God, we should pray distinctly and clearly. Now I want to slow down a little bit to be distinct and to be clear on this matter. I really not, do not believe that I am violating the context of the following passage when I apply it to this thought about praying distinctly and clearly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 7. And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? So likewise ye, listen closely, likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, page 382. Let those who pray pronounce their words properly and speak in clear, distinct, even tones. Prayer, if properly offered. Now let me pause there and ask a question. If prayer can be properly offered, would you agree with me that it's also proper for prayer to be improperly offered? If prayer is properly offered, it's a power for good. But prayer is not what it should be because of the defective voices of those who utter it. Now, if you're going to get upset, don't get upset with Pastor Dan. Okay? Get upset with her. Okay? Her desire and my desire, her desire then was for God's church to excel, and my, church, my desire today is for God's church to excel. My brothers and sisters, God has not called us to mediocrity. <laughs> Listen. 
but prayer is not what it should be because of the defective voices of those who utter it. Satan rejoices when the prayers offered to God are almost inaudible. Are you listening? Again, I'm not being critical, not being judgmental. But my brothers and sisters, we need to speak distinctly and clearly so people can hear us. Praise God for amplification. Let God's people learn how to speak and pray in such a way that will properly represent the great truths they possess. Let the prayers offered be clear and distinct. Thus God will be glorified. Final point. When we pray in the house of God, we should be short and to the point. I want to look at two scripture passages, Luke chapter 20, verses 46 and 47. And then I want to return to Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Luke 20, verses 46 and 47. Beware of the scribes, which for a show make long prayers. Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. Please understand, I would never, I would never, I would never, I love you too much for that. And besides, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. And I don't want you to unappreciate me, okay? So I say again, I would never, I would never, I would never compare any of us to scribes and Pharisees that Jesus confronted. But having said that, there is a principle here that is worthy of our attention. I read from Evangelism, page 146. The prayers offered in public should be short and to the point. God does not require us to make the season of worship tedious by lengthy petitions. Now, let me stop preaching here and do a little meddling. And you know I always get in trouble when I meddle, don't you? But I can't help it, it's just part of my personality. Even as the time of prayer should not be tedious, even so every other aspect of our time of worship should not be tedious. Am I smiling? I love you. But my brothers and sisters, it's time we start excelling. Look at it. God does not require us to make the season of worship tedious by long petitions. A few minutes is long enough for any ordinary public petition. Now again, if you're going to get upset, don't get upset with Pastor Dan. Get upset with her. 
The Review and Herald, October 10, 1882. Long prayers are out of place anywhere. <laughs> they weary the angels. Are you listening? Now, don't raise your head, but is anybody here that wants to weary the angels? I mean, I want them to be on my side, amen? I can use all of their help I can get. Listen, long prayers are out of place anywhere. They weary the angels as well as the people who listen to them. Our prayers should be short and right to the point. My brothers and sisters, prayer in the house of God is a divine appointment. And as the mind and the heart are open to God through prayer in His house, God is not brought down to us, but we are lifted up to God. <laughs> We are elevated to be made to sit together in heavenly places. God has given to all of us a measure of faith. And it's so important for us to understand that prayer is the key in the hand of faith that unlocks the unlimited resources of God for his children. And make no mistake, Satan is launching an assault against the house of God. And you and I must not become slack in insisting that God's house, yea, even University Parkway, 70 Adventist Christian Church, will be always known as an house of prayer. Jesus admonished that generation and he admonishes us how important having a vibrant prayer life both private and public is. Luke 21 and verse 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all those things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I want to escape all those things, don't you? And I want to stand before the Son of Man one day and hear Heavenly Father say, Danny, well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter thou in to the joy of the Lord. Do you still love me? Are you still going to sign that pastor appreciation card out there? Father God, oh, you are calling us to be an excelling people. Father, we are offering ourselves at this very moment to be placed in the chamber 
of your audience. Father, we're placing ourselves right now in a position to hear from you, to learn from you, to be empowered by you so that we can represent you to others in an excellent manner. We're offering ourselves to be edified, to be built up, not only in the realm of our prayers in public, but also every other aspect of life and living. Because this prayer I pray, and praises for victories I give in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who prayed while he was on this earth, and even at this very second, is praying for us now as our great high priest. And all God's children said,